I'm not sure you can imagine how hard it is to write a sermon about Ecclesiastes and not include the birds and turn, 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 or for me it was Dave Matthews' band, uh, and eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. But I think I've maybe gotten to the point where I don't have to include those in this particular sermon. Uh, Regardless, it's been a hard week uh, to write this particular sermon. For the last two years, I've been writing what amounts to one-minute sermons every day, uh, or editing them from other writers, and Getting into this long-form storytelling has been a different space for me. When I said yes, I thought this would be like riding a bike. I could just sit down and write something, and it turned out to be more like learning to walk after an accident. You know those moments when you realize that you've changed? Well, couple that with a wisdom passage that nearly preaches itself And it became a week for me of blank pages, of fits and starts, of I spent a lot more time in chat GPT, which is the open AI, learning about time than I probably should have. There's so much in this passage to digest. And it upset my stomach that I couldn't attend to everything. But that's the role often of wisdom literature. It makes us consider big things when our brains, our emotions, our minds, and our bodies want to settle with small things. So what does that mean for us today? I think it means that we're in choose-your-own-adventure territory. For those who don't get the reference, choose-your-own-adventure books or a genre of literature where you read to a certain page and then there's a choice that you make and that choice sends you to a different page in the book and the story unfolds in that manner over and over again and so you never get to read the same story twice depending on the choices that you make. I used to love reading those books as a kid. They gave me a sense of agency in storytelling A lot of surprise in the twists and turns of the particular story or the decisions that I made, and the ability to reread without hearing the same story twice. While Choose Your Own Adventure books are fascinating and fun, they're also filled with frustration. In that way, they are a lot like wisdom literature. It tells us something, but what it shares is not definitive, it's not linear. And it defies our desire for simple, single-answer stories. So today is about choosing your own adventure with Ecclesiastes. My goal is simple, just to offer some brief ideas about possible adventures within this passage and let you choose what it means to you. So adventure number one. Ecclesiastes gives us a sense of what it means to live in the tensions. You'll notice that throughout that list at the beginning of the passage, each side is connected by an and, not an or. What it means is that there's a spectrum or continuum between, say, mourning and dancing. It's not a choice. We don't dance or mourn. We dance and mourn. 
or in our culture often signifies something that we have to put a stake in the ground with. We often appreciate people who are unwavering in their values and ideals. We vote for them aplenty. What's the old line in the country song? You gotta stand for something or you'll fall for anything. We love our categories and the safety they give. Republican or Democrat, progressive or conservative, Christian or not Christian, pineapple on pizza or good taste in food. <laughs> the tendency to want to categorize and place people in certain boxes is actually a pretty natural thing that we do. See, our brains require extraordinary amounts of cal calories to function properly in the world. And we need shortcuts in order to keep that energy load small. Otherwise, we just spend our day eating and eating and eating and eating if we were thinking and interpreting and constantly aware of all the possibilities in front of us. And so it means that we cheat on how we interpret people and interpret experiences in order just to conserve energy and to keep ourselves upright and not either eating or sleeping all the time. And so this first adventure in Ecclesiastes is a cautionary tale. It implores us to think intentions and degrees rather than absolutes and certain choices. It's meant to help us imagine the full breadth of the world and our experiences in it so that we can embrace where we are and know that our life and our relationships are best imagined as a pendulum rather than a solid stake in the ground. All right, adventure number two. Ecclesiastes is an admonishment to be present to the present. How many times have you been somewhere or doing something with family or friends and your mind is 10,000 miles away? Eat, drink, and be merry is found in the Bible over a half dozen times. And this is about as close to Buddhism that the Bible gets. There is so much going on and we can become attached to dancing, mourning, reaping, and sowing that we lose the moment in front of us. Then we get preoccupied with missed experiences and promising ourselves we'll do better next time. Life becomes something to get through rather than something to embrace. When we're stuck in the past or the future, we lose the present. Thus, adventure number two is a call to be present to our lives and be content in the moment. It doesn't mean we can't remember or dream, just that the moments in front of us are the moments that matter most. Being present to them allows us to be fully, or allows us to fully experience the who, the what, the how of a God with us. All right, adventure number three told you these would be brief. Ecclesiastes reminds us that we weren't built for work alone. We were built for joy. 
This can feel comfortable and controversial given just how baked in to our lives the Protestant work ethic is. I know most of us have probably heard that term before, but just in case you don't know what it means, the Protestant work ethic is the idea that working hard, discipline, and responsibility are God-given callings. And no matter our job, we should see it as a gift from God and be dutiful in performing it. Max Weber, a sociologist, was one of the first to kind of describe this phenomenon and its positive impact on the growth of capitalism. He also described how corporations and entrepreneurs use this Calvinist ethic to exploit workers. That is, they tied someone's work ethic to their salvation, often as a way of justifying paying them less and treating them poorly. Your work was your calling, and God put you in that place, therefore you need to go above and beyond in order to prove your faithfulness. This work ethic is so ingrained in our culture today that we often feel guilty if we don't achieve, succeed, or remain on an upwardly mobile track. We glorify materially successful people, seeing them as intrinsically good. Others who are less successful are seen as intrinsically lazy or bad. We've internalized this work ethic to the point that a majority of the workforce is either mentally exhausted or burnt out. We're so used to going above and beyond at work, showing up early, staying late, that we deride those who put healthy boundaries around their work life. Quiet quitters is the term that's been used this year a lot. They're the people who perform the duties that they're hired to do responsibly, but refuse to do more than what is expected of them. And they're the current source of ire in a lot of companies. Companies in leadership are so used to free labor that the Protestant work ethic demanded in our culture that they get mad when someone's work is not their sole identity. This is especially present in the 18 to 35 year age range of the workforce. Quiet quitters are actually stepping into the wisdom of Ecclesiastes and embodying the idea that we were built for something more than just work. It really upends our entrenched beliefs about the place of work in our lives to think this way and challenges our assumptions about what makes life valuable and meaningful. You see, in this adventure, Ecclesiastes is about experiencing joy. It's about the idea that we were built for something more. That wherever we find ourselves on the economic ladder or in the workplace, we were built for happiness and joy. It also means that if we're in charge of others, we're to be cognizant of what makes them tick. We're not to exploit their labor. Not to expect that work should be the end-all, be-all of their identities but rather see them as complex individuals who dance, mourn, laugh, weep, sow, and reap. 
It doesn't mean we don't work hard. And there's good psychological research to back up that meaningful and purposeful work helps keep us healthy. But more that work isn't the end goal of our lives. In this adventure, it is God's greatest hope that we find joy and experience it often. Work can certainly be a source of that, but we should put it in the proper context of a full life. And just to buck the trend of pastors who like things in threes, I'll give you a fourth brief adventure. But it's the last one for today, though there are many if we sat down with this passage that I'm sure we could choose along the way. In this adventure, Ecclesiastes reminds us that while we know a lot, we will never know it all. We've been gifted with the capacity to remember experiences, see patterns in the past, and explore what they mean through reflection. We also have the capacity to dream and imagine. We can create, we can change. We can imagine new worlds and new possibilities, yet we'll never know it all. We'll never be able to experience the fullness of all things. So it's just a gentle reminder to be a little more humble because we don't know everything. We don't know what everyone's going through. And not knowing is okay. Not knowing frees us to imagine new things. Not knowing emboldens us to take risks. Not knowing creates empathy for others who are struggling with their own experiences. So there you have it, four brief adventures in this choose your own adventure story. Given more time, We could sit down and come up with others. I am positive this is such a rich passage. But the true wisdom of a passage like this comes in how you apply it to your lives. Ecclesiastes is worthless drivel if it's just a thought exercise. It's meant to be chewed on, experimented with, and talked over, talked about over meals and beverages of choice. So I guess that's really the next line that you'll read into this choose your own adventure story. One that you'll have to write on your own with family, with friends, with communities. Whatever you choose to write or practice, Just remember, you were built to bear witness and participate in the fullness of life, not just in pieces and parts. And if that's the case, I have one, I would love to call it simple, but there is no simple question out there. What would change for you if you lived in the tensions and the mysteries and embraced the presence, present and joy around you, how would your life be different?
May God add God's blessing to this reading today.